Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. I'm going to ask Cameron just to share a testimony about fasting that happened in the past, but as we're continuing to plow through Declare, we just want to continue to build your faith and build your spirit in this area. Cameron? Thank you, Pastor Kurt. I know coming out of the back, I felt like I was getting called out of the bullpen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, they, they asked to share testimonies about fasting and prayer. And uh, without a doubt, fasting and prayer has totally transformed my life and my walk in, in Christianity for sure. Um, you know, I, I was excited for this time of fasting and prayer to come up. Um, I mean, really, the, the benefits of it are, are great. Um, you know, and physically also, you know, I probably ate enough ice cream last year for half of the congregation. <laughs> <laughs> so my body probably needed that. But uh, yeah, to give you just a brief background uh, before I tell my testimony of it, um, after the first El Salvador trip I went on last year, uh, after I came back here, I just really felt, you know, in, in my heart and in my spirit, I was like, man, like, I don't know, I feel like, like ministry, like, is, you know, it's a path for me, but like, I, I wasn't really sure about it, but I kept pressing into God. And then uh, later in that fall, I was helping out with the Crusades uh, down in West Virginia. And while I was down there, I just saw everything that was going on. And in my heart, I was like, man, like, I want to do that. Like, it just looked, it looked amazing. And, you know, God touched me down there for sure. And, and like, immediately after that, like, literally two weeks after that, the first opportunity to, to preach opened up for me. I was like, man, like, this, this is God. So last year's fasting and prayer, you know, I started to press in. And, uh, you know, Jesus said that he holds the key of David. Any door he opens, no man can shut so just as Pastor Kurt was uh, teaching on a couple of weeks ago about praying the word. So I was praying that word. I said, Jesus, like you said, you open a door, like open a door for me. And so I was believing God for that. And so as a, you know, a couple months after January, you know, some doors are opening up like in small groups and stuff like that, just to share. And I was being faithful in that. And then uh, I'll fast forward to the second El Salvador trip that I was getting ready to go on. And, uh, you know, I was praying, you know, pretty much along the same lines, I was praying for the trip and, uh, you know, I was praying for God to open up a door for me. And I, I remember it like, just like yesterday, I was up like, you know, on this hillside, I was just praying. And, you know, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, if you open up a door for me to do this, I said, I'll go after souls. And it, as soon as I said that, I just felt like something in my spirit. It was like this, like, like fire. It was just like, you know, like I knew God heard my prayer. And then like two days after that, we were getting ready. For, we were just having a meeting for El Salvador, a general meeting, talking about it. And Pastor Vicky looks at me and she says, she goes, hey, um, so we're going to have you preach like Tuesday night down there and we're going to have, it's going to be a healing service. And I was like, oh, okay, awesome. So I was praising the Lord for that. And, you know, while I was pressing in in prayer for that, um, some of you might have been here during the missions convention and I was sharing a testimony up here of how this man was healed of back pain down there and on the mission trip. But I, I didn't share this though, was that I was pressing in during fasting and prayer during that before the trip. And I was just praying to God. I said, God, like, you're the God of miracles. You display your power among the people. And as I was praying that, I went to praying in the spirit. And then out of my spirit, just shot this in English, like, like Lord, I curse back pain in Jesus' name. I commence by, and like, I didn't, and I knew like I was going to run into somebody that, you know, that had back pain. Because when you fast and pray, your flesh gets turned down and your spirit man gets turned up. So my spirit was on like a high sensitivity. So I just sensed that like from the Lord. So, you know, I won't share about the whole trip, but, uh, you know, and then I went, uh, this past October, um, there was an evangelism summit out in San Diego, California, and, you know, I saw it, and I was like, man, that'd be pretty nice to go, but I was like, well, 
you know, I might want to save my vacation time. You know, I don't have to book a flight. But in my spirit, something, I was just like, you know what? Like, you should go. I, I, sh- I should go out there. So I was out there, and I was just receiving from, from the men of God out there and helping out with the crusade there. And then the last day before I left, I was getting ready to get in my car. I was going to go to the airport and fly out. So I, like, changed in my car real quick. And I saw one of the pastors whom I was talking to there. He pastors out in California. And when I was talking to him, uh, you know, I saw him leaving. I said, oh, hey, you know, nice to meet you. You know, I'm sure I'll see you again sometime. You know, it's nice to meet you. And he goes, hey, um, he said, said, before you go, uh, whenever you get started full time, give me a call. We'll have you come out for a week. I was like, (laughs) I didn't know what to say. I just, I just like stood like this. I said, "Uh, amen. (laughs) So man, praise God. That was God. There's no way that I could have orchestrated that in the natural. That, That was God opening up a door for me and say, like, man, like, keep it up, like, keep pressing in, like, God, he, he opens doors for you, you know, and it says in Ephesians that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or imagine. I couldn't, I, I didn't even, I mean, I was thinking about that, but, like, that whole week, I was not even thinking about that door opening up that week, but I know that that was provoked by a time of fasting and prayer and sitting before the Lord saying, Lord, I'm more hungry for you than I am for food, Lord. I'm going to press into what, to what you have for me. So I just want to encourage all of you. Thank you. So I just want to encourage all of you, brothers and sisters, that, you know, like the Bible says in Acts 10, 34, that God's no respecter of persons. So that means that what he did for me, that he can do for you. So when you press in for him, like, like there's so much. God is able. He said that all things are possible for him who believe. So when you set your mind on him, when you seek his will for your life, he's never going to fail you, right? Because, you know, God is able. And so I just want to encourage you that, you know, when you t- take this time to sow into the spirit, you're going to reap unto the spirit because, you know, he, he's never going to fail you in anything. And just believe God for the big things. He just said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. So keep knocking and keep persevering in this time of fasting and prayer. You're going to see God do great and mighty things in your life. Hold on one second. I just want you to stand for a moment. Thank you for sharing. Just stand to your feet for one moment. I feel like there are, I've actually, uh, I don't need the Lord even to to share this with me. I've had real conversations, and I feel like the Lord's asking me to share this. I've had conversations this week of people that this is their easiest fast they've ever been on. It's like they're not hungry. They're plowing, spending time with Jesus. And I've I've had conversations with people that are really hungry, and they're struggling. And maybe you're in between, or maybe you're wondering, like, what is this church doing? Why are they starving themselves? Oh, you know, we're in the middle of a spiritual fast. We're, we're foregoing food for spiritual reasons to seek the Lord, uh, to, to allow our fleshly desires to die and our spirit to rise up. So I just want Cameron um, to pray over you, that if any of you are having a difficult time, or if you want to start this week and you're just really nervous about it, some of you might actually be, like, actually afraid, like scared uh, to forego meals for the purpose of seeking God. Uh, I just want Cameron to, to pray over you guys. So I'm going to place my hand right here, my spirit, where the inmost being is, and it's really close to your stomach too. <laughs> so if you're comfortable doing that, go ahead. Cameron, go ahead and pray for us. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you that we can come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for this time of fasting and prayer. For Lord, as, as you commanded it, Lord, you said that uh, when we hearken to do your commands, Lord, Lord, that you, that you reward us, Lord. And we thank you that you're a blesser. So Father, I pray right now for each of my brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that you would put a grace upon them, Lord. Put a grace upon them to fast and a grace upon them to pray in Jesus' mighty name. And we thank you, Lord, that we have this confidence that when we come before you, when we ask anything according to your will, Lord, that, that we believe it and that we receive 
receive what we've asked of you, Lord. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you for the breakthroughs that are going to come as a result of this time of fasting or prayer. I thank you, Lord, that as we fast and pray, Lord, that the bonds of wickedness are loose, Lord, that our health springs forth speedily in the name of Jesus, Lord. I thank you, Father, for, for giving us this time, Lord, to seek and press you, Lord. For you said that when we seek you, we will find you when we seek you with our whole heart. So, Father, I pray that you put a hunger in each person's heart here to seek you, Lord, a hunger for more of your word, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for your presence, Lord. I thank you that in your presence is fullness of joy, Father. Thank you, Lord, for this being the easiest fast, Lord, that we've been on, Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Bless each of my brothers and sisters, Lord. Thank you for the breakthroughs, Lord. I thank you that nothing will stand in the way, Lord, because as we fast and pray, we thank you that uh, nothing can stop us, Lord, because you are with us, and when you are with us, Lord, nothing can be against us. So we praise you, and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Cameron, appreciate it. You can be seated. All right, ushers, I'm going to ask you to quickly just come down to the front uh, with the Declare booklets. If you were not here last week, you did not receive a Declare booklet, just raise your hand as the usher is passing that pew. We want you to have one in your hand. So far this week, we've had five live worship sets. We've had 26 hour, or 28 hours of opportunity to come in to pray. 51 people have read the Bible over 26 hours, and we are up to 2 Kings chapter 7. There's been five teaching sessions talking about speaking the word, praying the names of God, and praying the attributes of God, the importance of praying in tongues, both at noon and 7. These sessions will continue Monday through Friday for the next two weeks. So we would encourage you uh, to come in here, especially if you are fasting, uh, get away from when your mealtime would be, come in here and seek the Lord. There are also on our website, they're on Facebook Live at noon, and then they're on our website archived. It's the noon session that it is. So we're going to begin again tomorrow. You probably saw in our foyer here in our prayer room up here and back in the corner, there's different prayer stations all throughout. So at any time uh, from 6.30 in the morning until 9.30 at night, you're welcome to come in and go through those prayer stations and just continue uh, to seek the heart of the Lord. What I want to talk about today, and the Lord prompted me even last night to, to bypass this first third, and Cameron even touched on it through quoting several verses that I was going to use but I was going to talk about prayer, commands, and declarations, because those are three different things that we do when using our mouth, and I think we need a solid biblical foundation. So when we're, when we're praying for certain things or we're commanding certain things to go, we're not being confused of who we're talking to and how we're talking to it. Uh, our key verse throughout Declare is Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. We taught on it last week. It's been mentioned in, I think, every, sir, every teaching so far, Monday through Friday. The message translation of the Bible is the one that it really just painted a really good picture for me. It's the one that I have up in my house to remind me, where it says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. If you understand anything about the authority that Jesus has given us, it's not our authority, it's his authority that Jesus handed to us to go and make disciples of all nations. So when we're talking about our authority, we're not talking about, we're not up on our high horse, we don't think we have the ability to do things without him, but once we start to understand what our authority is in him, then we understand that our words are powerful that they will build other people up, that they'll encourage other people, bring hope and life, or they'll bring discouragement and hopelessness and brokenness. So what I'm going to talk about, I was going to go through uh, prayer as a third of the message. I'm going to touch on it maybe for two minutes, and I'm going to spend the rest of my time 
on commands and declarations. I basically want to give you a definition. I want to give you some uh, biblical basis to it, some personal application. And then at the end, we're going to call people to the altar that, that have a need in their life. And we're going to, we're going to believe that God's going to move, uh, specifically in the way that we're talking about today. When you hear the word prayer, to simplify all of this, there's a definition that says this. It's a sincere request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God. It's an earnest request or wish. So to narrow that all down, prayer is speaking directly to God. When you are in prayer, it's a conversation with God. Now, it's a two-way conversation. And I think this is where fasting is so important. A lot of times we'll come, we have a limited time to pray. So we're praying, 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 and we're, we're pushing all these requests up, and then we leave. And he's like, I probably wanted to respond to some of those requests. So when we're in prayer, it is a two-way conversation. It's speaking to him and then also listening back what he has to say. Some, some people over-spiritualize this and they're waiting for the big, uh, they're waiting for the mountains to tremble and the boom, you know, the, the thunder to shake the room. Listen, start asking God questions and have a journal open. And the thoughts that are coming into your head that would not normally be there, that line up with this, Let's assume they're God for now and start writing them down and start pressing into what you've written down. If you're getting off track, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you to correct you and bring you back on track. So don't wait for the big boom. Start praying and asking questions. I thought the Lord said something for me to share something with, uh, with the worship team last night. I got in prayer today and he was like, no, just you, you let things happen as they're supposed to happen today. So it was even like interaction of a feeling that I had last night. I went back and I just asked God a simple question. Should I share this or not? He said, no, just let, just let things happen. So it's just very simple dialogue with the Lord. One of the, uh, the clearest ways that you can learn about prayer, which I'm not going to spend the time on, uh, Reverend Ravenhill did a wonderful job yesterday morning preaching through these passages here. I'm not even going to try to compare myself, but because of time, I'm not going to preach on it. Uh, but Matthew chapter 6, if you just write down Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 all the way through 13, I want you just to read over there as he talks about not babbling like those who think they're religious for babbling, but to get away. Don't go out in the street corners. You don't have to be all fancy with your prayers. You don't have to think from where you are that people who, who uh, may have been just a Christian longer, may have different biblical education, so they just know more biblical words are using in prayer. Don't get, don't get sidetracked by that stuff. Sit down and have a conversation with your creator. Start talking to him, and he'll develop your prayer language however he wants to develop it. But Jesus gives very clear instructions here that when you are going into a secret place, that we, we believe in corporate prayer, we believe in praying, our pastors meet every day to pray, and then our entire team meets once a week to pray. So I believe in coming together in prayer. But he also says to get alone. Some translations say get, to get into a secret place, some say go into a room and shut the door. But Jesus says here, there is a reward waiting for you when you do that. So think about Cameron, even the testimony. If, he, if he's sensing that he's called to be an evangelist, he's sensing that he's having this calling, if he doesn't spend time listening to the Lord in prayer and he doesn't spend that extra time during fasting, does he ever actually receive that call? I say no. He might have a sense about it and then he goes on with his daily life. So there's a reward for spending time in prayer. And I would encourage you to read over these verses. The one, uh, one verse I wanna or one section of verses I will talk about is in John chapter 14, verse 12. 
This should, they'll be on the screen here if you don't want to just flip because I know I'm moving a little bit quick today. He's talking about really our authority to use the name of Jesus in prayer. And he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, I want you to remember this statement when we talk about commands and declarations because you might find yourself saying, well, wait a minute, Jesus said that. That was Jesus. Well, remember what Jesus says. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. Let's just stop right there. I know that there's an argument over what the greater things mean. Let's just get to a point where we can actually believe that we can do what he's been doing. We'll be the most powerful group of people walking around advancing his kingdom we'd ever imagine being. He goes on in verse 13, he says, and I'll do whatever you ask in my name. Say, in my name. In my name. So we're, when we're, we, we could pray, when we're communicating with God, we're actually praying to God in the name of Jesus. I want you to understand when it's saying, whatever you ask, I will do whatever you ask in my name, you can cross-reference 1 John 5, 14 and 15, where he's talking about asking according to his will, okay? So I want you to understand that when, when we're saying ask anything, in his name. That's believing in him. So if we're believing he's going to do it, then we're going to believe that it's his will. So we don't just go to him with these flippant requests and asking anything that we want to and not even checking if it lines up with God's word. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah? You with me? All right. He goes on to say, uh, so that the son may bring glory to the father. In verse 14, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. We've talked about this back in the kingdom message of how in the natural kingdoms, there were officials in the government that were able to take uh, proclamations in the name of the king to foreign territories or provinces. So as this king traveled out of his territory, I'm sorry, as the official traveled out of his king's territory into a brand new territory, he was able to unravel that scroll and say, in the name of King George IV, I hereby proclaim, and they would give the message. Now, the person in that opposing territory, that person in that foreign territory, must receive that person as if he was the king himself because of the authority he was given. Now, you put this into the kingdom of God. We are in the world, right? We're not of the world, we're in the world. So when we say, when we're praying to God or when we're commanding a sickness to be gone, in the name of Jesus, we're saying sickness, the demonic must listen to us as if it was Jesus himself. That's an immense amount of authority. That's why it's important for prayer and fasting and understanding this book. So we're not doing things and asking things in his name that's not according to him and his word. So the more we know him, the more confidence we get as we're communicating with him. All right, so prayer is speaking directly to him. I'll pass by the rest of the scriptures. Cameron preached the three-minute message on prayer if you were listening. I want to go to commands next. A command is not speaking directly to God because we would never command God to do something. And I've heard, I've been in conversations with people before that say, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't like this teaching because you're not, when I don't command God to do anything. Good, because I don't command God to do anything either. All right? So a command, and you'll see it throughout Scripture. I'm going to give you a scriptural basis so you have it. You can write the verses down. Is speaking either directly to a condition or to a person with a condition. 
So follow this. A prayer is directly to God. A command is speaking directly to a condition or to the person with a condition. You are not commanding God to do anything. You're making, you're making a statement in faith, trusting that it is the will of God based on your knowledge of his word. Okay? So when we think of this, I see in the Bible, the commands that Jesus made and the apostles made were against illness, disease, there was something wrong with their body, and demon-possessed people. Things that are causing chaos in somebody else's life. We actually have the same authority that we have to go to God in Jesus' name. Jesus also gave us that same authority to make commands in Jesus' name. Now, this is different from prayer. Are you following me? Because your attention is still on God, but you're not saying, I command you in Jesus' name. No way. Nowhere in the Bible is that found. What we're doing is actually commanding a condition to be gone in Jesus' name. Now, this might be brand new to some of you. That's why we're spending time on it. You might think, well, what do you mean I'm talking to something? I'm talking to a disease. I'm talking. We'll follow out the scripture here. If you are ever speaking to a person, you're not commanding them around like to do something like, you, like, like they are your servant. Because there's, uh, there's a different definition of command that's like, you go and do this. Every time someone in the Bible was using a command and speaking to a person, it was to partner with them to activate their faith so healing or deliverance came. And we'll see these scriptures here. I'm going to just touch over this, the, uh, Mark, Mark 11, starting at verse 12, all the way to 24. Basically, Jesus is hungry. He comes to a fig tree. There's no figs on it. So in verse 14, he's actually commanding this fig tree. He's cursing it. He says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Your Savior talked to a tree. So if you think I'm getting weird right now, Jesus did this. I'm not saying this gives us right to go around commanding trees. I'm just giving you biblical reference. May you never, may you never eat fruit, uh, may, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Again, he doesn't have to use Jesus' name, he's Jesus. So in verse 20, in the morning, they were walking along the road. Peter remembered what Jesus said, and he said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And this is Jesus' answer. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, our problem, something in our way that's not producing the will of God for our lives. He says, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in what he says will happen, it will be done for him. And then he goes on to say the same exact thing about prayer. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. So he's showing them, he's actually, it was not according to God's will for Jesus to not be fed when he was hungry. So he actually curses the fig tree, teaches the, the, the disciples at that time that, they, that there's power in their words if they believe in him and do not doubt. And the same can be, hold, uh, can, can be held in prayer also. I'm gonna go fast. You can record some of these. Here goes some commands for healing. Matthew chapter eight. I'm just gonna say where it starts at verse one. If you're interested enough to go through the verses later on, that's good. Jesus runs into a man with leprosy. The man comes before Jesus and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reaches out his hand, so there's physical touch here. He says, I am willing, be clean. There's an exclamation point in mind. Now, did he look up to the Father and pray to the Father at this time? No, 
Yes, Jesus is God, but Jesus, Jesus said we would do the same things that he's doing. So he has physical contact, a sign of faith here, and he says, be clean. So he's speaking to the person, not like commanding him to go and get him a cup of water or anything. He's commanding him to his skin to be clean as a part, partnering with him in faith. And it says immediately he was cured of his leprosy. That's a command. You have the authority to do that. Matthew chapter 12, verse 9, a shriveled hand. It says going on from that place, a man with a shriveled hand was there in verse 13. Then he says to the man, stretch out your hand. That's a command. He's not praying to God right now. He's already been filled up with God. He already spent time with God in his prayer closet before this. He says, stretch out your hand. So he stretched out his hand, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. Do you guys ever follow this stuff? This is your Savior. This is making simple commands. Stretch out your hand. And in faith, that man stretches out his hand and watches it get healed. Do you ever stop and just picture this? A shriveled up hand, and as he's stretching it out like this, he's just being healed right before his eyes. That's amazing when you just stop and think through some of these things. A deaf man in Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Starting, uh, and in verse 32, it says that they brought a man to him that was deaf and could hardly talk. In verse 33, Jesus takes him aside. Of course, he had to have heard this from the Father. He puts his fingers into the man's ears, and he spit and touched the man's tongue. Again, I'm not giving you a prescription on how to pray for people. The common thread here are commands. He looks up to heaven. His connection is with the Father. And with a deep sigh, he said, be open. Now, when he looks up, is he telling God to be open? No. He's looking up. He's connected with the Father. He's following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, be open. He's talking to the man's deafness. It says, at this, the man's ears were open, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. A fever, Luke chapter 4, verse 38. You guys okay? I'm going. Jesus left the synagogue, went to the home of Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. They asked Jesus to help her. He bent over and rebuked the fever. So you see, Jesus cursed the fig tree because it was not producing what it should and he rebuked the fever because it wasn't God's will for Simon's mother-in-law to have a fever. So he was speaking to things that were operating in chaos in people's life, things that were against the will of the Father. He spoke to them with his authority and they were gone. It says she got up at once and began to wait on them. I'll just skim over these in Luke chapter 7. There's a young man who had died. Jesus sees the funeral procession. I'd like to know, I, we don't see all of Jesus' miracles, but he probably ruined every funeral he went to. You're like, what do you mean by that? Four, verse 14, he goes up and he touches the coffin and those carrying it stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. Is he talking to his father right there? No, he's filled with his father and he's speaking because he knows his words bring life. This is a practical application of how words can bring not just spiritual life, but physical life. Young man, sit up. Can you imagine that coffin busting open and the sun sitting up? That's amazing when you just sit and think about some of this stuff. And we can flip back and remember, Jesus said that we would be doing the same things if we would believe and not doubt. If we believe in him. Same thing happened with Lazarus. Lazarus. 
He looks up, he prays for a moment, and then he comes to the the front of the tomb and in a loud voice, he says, Lazarus, come out. In verse 44, it says, the dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Matthew 8, 16 says that he drove out the spirits with a word because people who were possessed by demons were brought to him. And with one word, he drove these things out. In Luke Four, starting at verse 33, there was, uh, there was a man that was possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He says, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And in verse 35, he says, be quiet. Jesus said sternly, come out of him. And the demon threw the man down before, before them all and came out without injuring him. Now there's an application here in Acts chapter three where there's actually, there's believers after Jesus ascended doing this. If you know the story in verse one through six, Peter and John were going to the temple and there was a crippled man laying by the the gate called Beautiful. And he's asking them for money. And Peter's saying, listen, I don't have the money. I don't have the silver, the gold. But down in verse six, he says, I have what I give you. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So Peter, again, the physical contact, taking him by the right hand, he helps him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. So this is a practical application of everything Jesus taught them about about actually speaking to the Father. If we're not speaking to the Father, don't, don't, don't have the boldness to go and speak to a condition. We have to spend time with the Father. You're going to be saying things in some type of false, false boldness, and it's not going to be of God. Jesus was filled up with the Spirit of God. So he, in that authority, because remember, he chose to empty himself of the power. So when the Holy Spirit came upon him, then he could walk as a man, a sinless man, full of the Holy Spirit. Then he was able to make those commands. And then Peter took that same exact principle and said, now he's using the name of Jesus, right? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. So he's commanding the man not like to do something like he's a servant. Are you guys with me? But he's speaking to him in regards to his condition and then actually helps activate his faith. But he's not doing it in his own own power. He's saying, I only come in the authority that Jesus gave me. Let's move on to declarations. Declarations are speaking either to yourself, to somebody else that needs encouragement, or to the spirit realm itself. In fact, when we were singing today, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Who's hearing that? I'm hearing myself sing that, which should build up my spirit because it's a biblical truth. God's hearing us say that, which is a declaration to him that we are his. And the devil and all of his demons are hearing that. To say, Christ lives in me. In fact, fact, I would say 70% of our worship today was declaration. It is well with my soul. Well, how do you have a right saying that? Because the Bible said it should be well with my soul. So if it's not well with my soul, I'm not just saying, oh, it's well with my soul even though I'm a wreck. No, I'm actually declaring something that's from his word. I don't feel right, but it is well with my soul. You have, you have to be released to be able to make declarations once you know they're in God's word. I gave you a sample of the packet that we prepared. It's in your bulletin today with just a few different areas and then scripture references. But there's, I think we have like a 13-page document out there at one of our prayer stations throughout Declare. It says, your life does not have to line up 
with those declarations. You're making declarations of faith. Faith is what? Believing and hoping for what you don't see yet. So this fast will be the easiest and most successful fast I've ever been on, and I will see the most breakthrough I've ever seen. Why do you have a right to say that? Well, because Jesus teaches when you fast, you will be rewarded. It's a biblical truth. So again, you're not going off in your own power. You're taking God's word, and you're just turning those scriptures into declarations of faith. When I was first learning these things, I have no clue where I'm at. Sorry. When I was first learning how to declare, I was uncomfortable. One of the first times I did, I was driving in the car. And really what the Lord taught me is this, is you've been praying about this to me long enough to know it's my will. Now speak it forth. So you hear those words yourself, your spirit rises up. And so the demonic realm, you confirm it with God. So now you're speaking in faith. So you pray until you, your faith is attached to it. Please, don't just read something and, oh yeah, I'll just read this off and that's gonna happen. It's, it's not like a little wish list. It's not your checkoff list. It's once your faith is attached to it, make declarations. In Genesis 21, starting at verse six, don't even try to turn. Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. Why? Because God performed a miracle. First she laughed out of disbelief, then she laughed out of joy saying that others will believe that God gave her a son. In Exodus chapter five, verse three, Moses is talking to Pharaoh about taking the Israelites out of slavery and Aaron, it says that Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of the Hebrews has met with us. They declared. So th this is the truth. It's not biblical in the sense they were reading it. God was with them. They're declaring a truth. The God of the Hebrews has met with us, they declared. Their faith is already attached to that. In Deuteronomy 26, 17, they're setting up the Lord's commands. It says, you have declared today that the Lord is your God. And then God reverses it in verse 18. The Lord has declared today that you are his people. So there's declarations being made to God and about God and then God declaring to us. In Psalm 91, verse 2, this is a part of a prayer of Moses. So Moses is actually declaring this to himself. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. So if you're having trouble in your life, if you're feeling broken down, if you're feeling like there's no one to trust in, grab that packet of promises sometime this week. Take the scriptures that we handed out today. Take this one right here, Psalm 91, 2, and you can say, Father, I don't feel it right now and I don't understand it with my mind. But your word says that you alone are my refuge. You alone are my place of safety. You are the one I can trust in. Do you see how you are talking to him? So it's a form of prayer, but you're making a declaration to build your spirit up. There's another one in John 1, Jesus walks by. John the Baptist looks at him and declares, look, the Lamb of God. He wasn't making that happen. He was declaring something that was absolutely already true. In Romans 10, 9, it tells us how to be saved. If you openly declare, some of your translations would say confess, it's speaking out loud, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's with your mouth and your heart that you are saved. The practical application of this, I have one of the packets here. You, you take the packet, you take the hand out. 
I highlighted some things here. Maybe you're, 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 you're in fear right now. You can look at these things and you can read it. Psalm 56.3, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. So you read that thing once you have, your faith is attached to your Father. In Jesus' name, I am putting my trust in you. I'm putting my trust in you. God doesn't need to hear that. He already knows your heart. When you're speaking it forth, you need to hear that. But you're not changing any words. You just take what's in Scripture. There's no fear in love, 1 John 4, 18. But perfect love drives out all fear. Fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. God, maybe there's something in my life. No, look, I'm praying now. There's something in my life that's not made in perfect love yet. I haven't, I haven't been able to receive your perfect love yet because I'm still fearing. But your word says there's no fear in love. And because you love me, I will not fear. So you're praying and you're declaring. You don't have to like categorize it for God, but we, un- we need to understand the theology behind who we're speaking to, why we're speaking that, why we're using the name of Jesus. So Adam, you can come up. Worship team, you can come up and you guys can stand. So what I wanna do is put this in practical application. It's very simple. Worship team's gonna sing a song or two. If you... Uh, do not want to come forward because you do not have a need. That's perfectly fine. You can actually, I, I'd invite you to sit back down if you wanted to and look through that handout and look up some verses and begin to speak those things even over your life where, where, it, uh, where it comes into play. But what I want you to do is just ask yourself, if you have a need in your life, if there's a sickness or an illness, if there's a deficiency like in finances or in a relationship, so there could be a need or there could also just be an area of breakthrough that you want to see. Like you are desperately pursuing something during Declare. So it could be a need. Like there's a deficiency. You know either the devil's at work or something's just not, just not right. You're just not seeing what you, what, what you feel like you need. On the other side is things might be going well. You're just pressing in and you're pressing in and you're pressing in. I'm going to ask the altar team, pastors, spouses, elders, to come forward. And we're simply going to do this with you. We are going to apply what is in the Bible. We're going to pray with you or we're going to command sickness to be gone in Jesus' name or we're going to potentially declare, you know, uh, provision over you or protection over you. We can declare that the prodigal will come home. Do you see? Biblically, we're going to take what revelation God's already given in his word and pray with you, command something, or make a declaration. It's what we do every time we call people forward. I just want to spend time doing that now. So if you have a need, If you have an area that you want to press into, just come forward at this time. We want to be able to pray with you. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.